Hello, hello, hello. It's your girl of the gods, aka Juicy J, BKA J Money, um, something, something, bad bitch on the block, because you notice. Um, yes, welcome back <laughs> to another episode of Just the Colonized. Happy holidays to all of my listeners. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Happy whatever the fuck it is that you celebrate. Seasons, motherfucking greetings to all y'all. I really enjoy the holiday season. Christmas is my favorite holiday of all time. Period. I literally love it so much. I do. I really do. Like, I am an island child, an island woman, born and bred here, but have lived throughout the continental U.S. for a number of years, throughout adolescent, childhood, and even adulthood. And I have come to appreciate wintry white Christmases and all of the fireplace ambiance and snuggle bunny atmosphere and the hot cocoa and just like being in good company with people you love and who love you friends and family like an ideal christmas is actually somewhere in a cabin when it's snowing and it's just blissful you know you are in the company of people that you love and it's just such a cozy feeling it's a cozy feeling and i really love christmas because of how it brings family together you know, there's a spirit about Christmas, there's a spirit about the holiday season of generosity, just plain joy. I love all the Chris- Christmas carols and music, the parang, which is like a Trinidadian version of caroling um, and Christmas music. And like also the Crucian Festival, because we celebrate um, our carnival during the season of Christmas into the new year um, and through Three Kings Day. So, you know, this is just a special season because all of the dope-ass things happen. This is when the islands are alive and people come from all corners of the earth to come visit. Family and friends who've lived away and abroad for years return. And it's just a fabulous time. So I just want to say that I am very grateful for this holiday season. So, yes, I love Christmas. I love the holidays. It's beautiful. Um, this episode of Jessica Colonized, I want to talk about patience. And, you know, in this series of healing that we're on for this season of Jessica Colonized, the theme is healing. And there's so many facets and components to healing, you know, there's the healing that really involves returning to the site where pain where pain incepted, right? Um, where it began and even culminated. It is really checking the baggages that we carry, um, unbeknownst to ourselves many times, 
that really bleed into the relationships we're able to form with the people around us. Healing is letting go. It's making peace with our past and figuring out ways to move on that honor us as we are, as we exist in this version of ourselves currently, um, and the integrity that we want to maintain about ourselves and the kinds of boundaries we want to draw around our personhoods. And healing is also about recognizing when you are the toxic ass person in your life that you often shun and are antagonistic towards, right? That you often complain about. Sometimes we complain about these attributes and behavior and patterns and attitudes from the people around us that we find to be toxic and detrimental to our health as individuals, as people who are trying to be better in the world and just function in a healthy manner. And all the while, we're really the ones who are really perpetuating the same harm that we are seeking to run away from. And so, you know, naming that, being able to identify that is important work. And so, There's so many different aspects and components to what it means to heal. And patience, exercising patience, is interestingly on that list, or at least on my list of the things that are part of the journey of healing. And I think alongside patience really is the the issue of control too. When we talk about patience, we're essentially also talking about control, whether that is... um, indirectly right or directly and i just want to dive into why patience is important to our healing process to the journey of being better people i don't know about you but i am notorious for wanting to know exactly how things are going to pan out in my life when they are going to pan out how they're going to pan out who's going to be involved in the panning out of the things and and what that will mean for how the rest of my life should function and will function. And, you know, that can be very overwhelming because there's just so much about life that we cannot plan for. And there's so many issues that arise that require us to be flexible. And sometimes you just cannot say, you just cannot tell, you just don't know how a thing will be. And part of dealing and living is being able to adjust accordingly. Um, Nevertheless, knowing how volatile certain circumstances can be, understanding the unpredictability of life in its essence, you know, all that considered, I still very much so struggle with control, right? I think control freak is too harsh of a term, but some people might use that and, you know, whatever, that's fine if that's you um, and you subscribe to using the the term or phrase control freak. But, you know, there's so many of us out there, I think, who struggle with this. I think in particular, it is also a thing that that people of color and I said probably women of color struggle with more than anyone else and this is just my opinion i have no actual data to back this up but i would imagine um that for black women in specific too that this is an issue considering historically the circumstances around our very existence and having to be providers and caretakers in a society that strips us of our opportunity to really just like be loved and love in very holistic ways because of systemic oppression and racism and all these things that sometimes it really has just been part of our mo and a necessity for us to show up and be be everything to everyone in our lives and so we 
are trained and reared and socialized from a very early age to have to be responsible for so much. And when that is the case, you know, so much responsibility really leads you to feel like you have to be in charge of things and that things have to play out in a particular way and that you have to know and be in control of things. Otherwise, they're going to fall apart, right? Like the family unit will fall apart or like life will fall apart or things won't get done. If you're not responsible, if you're not at the heart of getting it done, then you can't really rely on anybody else to get it done for you. And I think there's something very sociological, very historical, very political about the issue of control, as it is something that many women and women of color and black women have to deal with, I believe. I think so many people deal with control issues, obviously. But I think if we were thinking in very sociological terms, it would make sense that black women in in particular, just because of the institution of families and how we... um, have been afforded the opportunity to create families and be members of families have just had so much more responsibility and much more pressure to get things right for themselves and for everyone else. And, you know, as a daughter of a black woman, I have seen this, you know, this is a thing that I've noticed growing up, especially in a matrifocal, matriarchal household where the, the leader, the head of the house is a woman, you know, even though my mother has been married to my stepfather for several years. Um, I think it's like over 15 or... How old am I? Oh, I think it's about 20. Yeah, they got married when I was eight. So I think it's been about 20 years now since they've been married. Um, And still, you know, for eight years of my life, my mother was a single parent of six children. And even after when she got married, she still was like the head of the household. And it was just because of the dynamics between my mother and my stepdad that just led her to have to like be in control of so many things because really and truly like if she literally was not responsible for getting things done then like there was no way of relying on my stepdad to get that it just wasn't gonna happen um and I imagine that my mother and my family was not and is not unique in that in that sense that there's so many other families where women have to take on the responsibility of making sure things take place that things happen the way they're supposed to that children are taken care of that bills are paid and finances are dealt with and and our future is planned for right that we really think about the and have visions for what will be next and we have steps that we take and procedures that we follow for how to get from point a to point z and i think there's a way in which we just don't really require that of men in general um, as a society, I mean, and so we end up with these families and households where women just are left to do and carry the brunt of the work, whether that's literally the household work or like the cognitive emotional work of caring for the family. Um, and you know, that is such an interesting thing because it trickles, it seeps into so many aspects of our lives, how we're able to really adjust and, um, orient ourselves as adult people in the world, Um, And so the issue of control becomes particularly important to us. Um, And so growing up, you know, being a part of families and households that look like this, that function this way, I've, through experience, adopted um, similar behavior and patterns and, and I think orientations generally that, you know, in life, you just have to be a go getter and I really think it's a powerful thing to see women in power in our households and our communities. I am by no means um, 
chastising that way of that family structure, that way of existing, I think that a balance is necessary. But I think for young women in general, where sexism is real and people expect you to know less and do less, to see women in power is a very empowering thing. And it can be really good for your sense of self, self esteem, self confidence, self advocacy, um, and how you're able to just navigate so many areas and aspects of society. And so it's been good. It's been good to me. I'm bad <laughs> to be able to understand what it means to be a self-sufficient person. Um, but also it's been a struggle on the flip side to have to really contend with what it means to be self-sufficient, a self-advocate and someone who can exercise patience, right? And who can know and appreciate the value of relinquishing control. And I think this is so important for so many of us. It is so important that we know what it looks like to let go of having to be in charge of everything of having to know exactly how things are going to pan out of having to be nitty picky about the entire process of a thing and its follow-through um and this has been a thing that i have particularly been working on for a very long time uh and i would say that it is it's fascinatingly been connected to my own faith development and maturity. I'd say that part of the work around relinquishing control, ceding control, and exercising patience in the development of things, and I'll really get into like where patience fits into this equation of control um, and kind of like letting go, has been really thinking about my faith and what it means to rely on a source that is supreme, that is omniscient and omnipresent and and absolutely invested in my well-being as a human being, right? That there is something, someone greater than me who has a plan for my life that I cannot even begin to fathom, but that has my best interest in mind. And the deeper I have really grown in my faith and spirituality, the more that I've really sought counsel from God and really prioritized things like prayer and meditation and fasting, the more that I realize the benefits and importance of being patient and letting go of control. Because if we're saying that, we trust in a higher source. For those of us who are believers, right, who believe in God and believe that God exists and that God um, is all-powerful and is invested in our very particular human lives and lifestyles, then to, to believe and hold to that faith and belief means that you have to also let go of something. And if there's someone else who knows more than you could ever know and fathom that who has a bird's eye view of the state of affairs of your life, then you have to have a sense of faith that that person is going to do exactly what needs to be done in order for your life to carry out the way it's meant to. 
in a, in, 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 in a way that will ultimately be in your best interest. And so it's been a simultaneous act of relinquishing control and trusting God and developing faith. Um, and with that, you know, with, with growing in faith and letting go of this need to be at the center and to be the director of all the particularities of the things that happen in my life has really pushed me to think about what it means to wait, right? When somebody else is in charge of your affairs, in charge of conducting things, in charge of setting up your life, whether it's literally determining, um, you know, for those of us who are workers in a corporate setting, determining the the route or direction of a project, um, or whether it's your partner, your significant other, and that is determining, um, you know, where you guys will spend your next vacation, something that might seem as trivial as that, and exactly what the vacation entails, it, you, you know, you really have to rely on a deep sense of patience. You have to really exercise patience in a way that forces you to be still and to be content with whatever it is that someone else may produce, whatever it is that they may ultimately come up with. And I think for many of us, when we are impatient or we are unwilling to let go of control, what we're really afraid of, I think, is two things. We are afraid of what the other person, what will happen, right? Of the circumstances outside of our control. Like what will happen if things don't go our way? If we are not in charge of the direction of something, what could ruin that for us? Um, how could things go wrong? And we assume that that if we're not in, involved in it, the chances of it going wrong are exponentially higher, and so we are afraid that the follow through that we think might be necessary might not actually act, it might not actuate if it's in if someone else is in charge of it right the second thing i think that we are actually worried about when we are unable to let go of control is ourselves our capacity to adjust and be adaptable and that one i think is a bit more counterintuitive but it's really true. I think that it holds true that many of us, when we, when we struggle to let go of a, the, a thing and our idea of how it should happen or take place, what we're really also struggling at times with is our ability to deal in the event that something happens in a way that was unplanned. So we, I think, deep down inside are fearful that we might not be able to deal with the circumstances if we can't plan for them in advance, right? If we're not able to prepare ahead, then what, what, how will we adjust? How will we be able to adapt to the new circumstances? Will things be just, will it be as good? Will things be as good? Will the outcome be as good if I didn't have a chance to prepare for it meticulously? Um, and so there, it's really fear that drives our need to control. Ultimately, it's a fear that 
someone won't do a thing right or that we might not be able to follow through with a thing right if we're not given enough time and space to really prepare for it. Um, And, you know, those are all fair reactions to have. Yeah, like who's really trying to relinquish all of the control and put the future of their lives, their work, their their project or whatever it may be in the hands of someone else. Um, when you know, like, you don't want to do the best for yourself. And if you're going to do the best for yourself, that means that the chances of a thing happening the best way it could possibly happen while you're in control are super high. But the crazy thing about that perspective is that it is a overwhelming, right? It is just anxiety inducing and stress provoking. It is so much of a baggage to carry to have to constantly be on your P's and Q's and have to be constantly aware and hyper vigilant of all the ways in which a thing should be happening and should not go wrong. And B, it really it intimates that you you don't actually trust that God in the instance where this is relevant, will do right by you, right? Like if we believe that we would do the best for ourselves and on our behalf, like who are we in comparison to an all-knowing being who actually has the world in his hand, right? If we say that like God is this omniscient and omnipotent source of light and goodness and joy and power, then like how could we possibly think that our versions of best for ourselves is actually better than whatever he could, whatever that source could concoct and come up with, right? And I have had to learn this in, in, in the most arduous fashion possible that who I want to be in the world, what I can envision for myself, where I can go, all of the things that I could concoct and create and imagine for myself ultimately do not even come close to what it is God can have in store for me that my best whatever it may be for myself if my biggest your wildest dream is to be the secretary of education for the united states of america or the president i'm really not pressed for that role right like the first one is actually much more realistic goal of mine (laughs) but let's aim super duper high right like the prime minister of some country or the president of some country if that is your greatest goal and the greatest mark of achievement for you, right? Like imagine something a hundred times better than that. Like that is what God actually has in store for you. And I think oftentimes we really just are incapable of mustering up that kind of vision for ourselves and therefore are incapable of understanding and really believing that God can want better for what uh, for us, for whatever it is that we might be imagining for our very selves. And so if God knows more than I do, sees more than I can see, understands how things are interconnected in my life in ways that I could never even begin to imagine. Of course, this very same God is going to have a plan for my life that I could not even top in my wildest dreams, right? In my wildest dreams, I could not even top it. And so if I can top it, then what use is it to be preoccupied with 
the nitty gritty of things in a way that really just stresses me out. What use is it in worrying about how, when, where, and why a thing will happen? There is no use. There really is no benefit. And and what it really requires of us, instead, the alternative to worrying and obsessing and wanting to be in the midst of controlling everything is to be patient. And I am not advocating for a patience that is lackadaisical or indifferent or inactive, right? Or inactive. I am, I am advocating for a patience that recognizes that you will do your very best, that you will continue to aim as high as you could possibly humanly aim and that you open your heart to the fact that whatever it is you may be structuring for yourself or planning for yourself is just that. It's just a plan and that plans can change. And more than likely when you are de- like dedicating your life to like following the will of God, it like will change and it won't be exactly what you think it should be and it won't look exactly how you thought it could look. But if you allow it to to take the course it's meant to take, you might be really surprised at how much more enriching and and empowering an experience on this earth can be when you allow God to do the thing that he needs to do. And so I think patience is so important to dealing with control because we have to recognize that being patient is about really trusting and waiting And it's trusting the process and waiting for things to take shape the way that they will. I think the other thing with patience that is really important is that not only is it like good for us in terms of how we are able to manage our obsession with control and stress and anxiety um, and really kind of redefine our relationship to God and and the source, right? But it's also a really important exercise in compassion and humility. Patience really allows us to extend generosity to the people in our lives. And how do we do that? What do I mean by that? I mean that when we are patient, what we are doing is actually allowing people the time they need in order to get whatever they need to get done, done. And in the specific case of relationships, um, patience is so necessary because when we give ourselves and the people around us time to get themselves together to be what they need to be for themselves and you, we're allowing them the space that they also need to grow. And patience does the same thing to us too, for us too. When we are patient with ourselves, we give ourselves the opportunity to grow and to evolve into the kinds of people that we really mean to be in the world. And, and I think patience is such, a, is such a, a beautiful concept and practice because it gives us the, the kind of leeway we need for the kind of fallible human beings that we are predisposed to be. Right. For those of us who struggle with discipline, struggle to stay on track, you know, we might set a goal for ourselves, whether it's like losing 20 pounds in a month or um, 
sticking to a diet, like a, a eating regimen or exercise regimen, right? Like we can sometimes fall off and not be consistent the way that we intended on being. And what patience does is it allows us to have a sense of compassion for our imperfection. And it, it gives us a chance to recognize that we are not perfect and nor will we ever be and nor should we ever expect ourselves to be perfect. And so if we're not perfect and if we're bound to slip up, if we're bound to not get things right, if we're bound to stop and start again and stop and start all over again, that means that we know that we have an opportunity and a chance still to get things right, that it's never the end, right? That it's never final for us, but that as long as we are breathing, as long as we're living, we have an opportunity to make it up. And waiting, recognizing that things will not happen immediately or right away or within some predetermined time frame um, really opens us up to recognizing that we can take our time in being the versions of ourselves that we want to be and that growth is a thing that will happen incrementally and if we can be that way for ourselves we can exercise that kind of compassion for ourselves then it gives us the perspective to be able to exercise that towards others on the behalf of people in our lives if we know that we are no good (laughs) at being on the ball all the time and being right all the time, then we are able to shift our perspective and expectations around how people show up for us. And we won't be as punitive when people don't meet our expectations because we'll recognize that like they're really, in the event that they are, in fact, just doing their best, right? They're doing their very best to show up. Um, And so we don't beat them up. We don't blame them for the ruin of whatever it is we think that we've ruined or lost we recognize that they are just like us we are just like them that we are in the same boat really trying to do our very best and so um what do we do what do we do when things don't go the way that we intended when we when things don't go as planned when we are not directly in control of our outcome but we have to deal with the consequences we move on, right? We continue. That's what we do. We continue. We make progress. We figure it out. We figure out alternative routes. We figure out our plan B, C's, D's, E's, and F, whatever it takes. And we move accordingly. And I think this might be what it means to parent. (laughs) I am not a parent yet, um, but I'm getting to a place in my life where I really am thinking seriously about starting a family. I am like ready. I'm readying myself. I don't know that I'm ready, ready, but I'm like readying myself. And I'm cozying up more and more to the notion of actually having a family of my own and mothering. And I imagine that mothering, given what I've witnessed in these 28 years of being on this earth, (laughs) And what I see from my peers who are mothers and parents already, I imagine that it requires a great deal of humility, right? Like, I, like it must be the most humbling experience 
to know that you are solely responsible for one human being and for getting and rearing that human being into like being the best version of themselves. And that even if you did your very best and that human being turned out to be crap, that like it's going to be a reflection on you one way or another, you know? Like I know many of us who probably grew up in households where your parents were like, look, we about to be in these streets. We're going to go to the store. Don't embarrass me. Right. And I used to be like, damn, lady, like, what you think I'm about to do? Act a fool. And the answer is yes, yes, yes. I think you're about to act a fool. And if you act a fool, I'm going to look crazy. And then they're going to think that I don't be doing my job at home and that I'm not actually fit to parent and do what I need to do in order to raise you to be a decent human being. So I'm going to need you to actually try your very best to show up in these spaces like you got sense, right? Because I can't afford to have my reputation on the line. But that's really what it is. To be a parent, I imagine, is to constantly and very persistently and consistently have your reputation on the line because you are doing all that you can do in the best of your capacities and abilities to have a, a human being come out to be something that is halfway decent. And ultimately, you really cannot... You cannot determine exactly who they're going to be. Like you don't have the final say. You have a lot of say, a lot of sway, a lot of influence, but the final influence and the final sway you really don't have because they are susceptible to being whatever version of themselves that they're going to be in the world. And they may very well just turn out to be dicks. No matter how much you gave them hugs, no matter how many good and affirming and empowering things you said to them as they were being raised and grew up in your household and your care, they may just turn out to be jerks. And like, what do you do with that? Except know that you did your very best. And so if you could be a parent, right? If we could potentially be parents and be responsible completely for one thing and have that thing be in our control as much as it could possibly be, right? Because there is society, there is community, there is outside influence and school and all of these things that will also have an impact on what your child has imparted upon them. But in the best of your capacity and the best of your ability, like you do, you do all the things that you're supposed to do and still yet it might not turn out to be what you imagined, right? And that is like with a whole human being that you birth, you brought into the world, just imagine what it might look like, what it might mean then for us to want to control other things in our lives that are probably just as, if not more, susceptible to, to outside influence and various factors. And so if we can't even get raising a child 100% accurate and precisely right, then what makes us think that we like, can get anything 100% accurate and precisely right? What makes us think that we have the power to really control the details and nitty gritty aspects of our lives in any way, right? I think there's something very humbling about recognizing that our limitations are real. And if our limitations are real, then that means we really have so much room to be patient with ourselves and with the people around us. We have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to let people prove themselves to us and to be kind when they might not meet our expectations and recognize that somewhere along the line, we probably didn't meet somebody else's expectations. But yet here we are. And yet here, here they are. There they are, wherever they may be. Um, and so I think what's really beautiful for me about... Patience and exercising 
a desire to let go of control as best we can, especially in circumstances that we just cannot determine. Like, you know, you wake up in the morning and you can decide if you want to walk outside or not sometimes, maybe, depending on, you know, your status and your ability. But you you don't, you're not able to really decide, like, or determine what you meet when you get outside, right? And our influence only goes so far. Sometimes we will love people and we will want them to be these things in our lives that they're just incapable of being. Um, and we might get super frustrated when they don't show up the ways that we want them to and do the things that we expect them to do. But if we are able to exercise some patience, what we can do in that is A, let things play out the way that they're meant to play out, how they will play out, embrace whatever that outcome might be, and B, also give ourselves and those people the room that they may need, that we may need to grow and to prove ourselves to ourselves first. Sometimes things can't happen when we expect them to happen or immediately because they're not meant to. Sometimes the journey is really in the waiting. It's in the long haul of things. It's in the process. Sometimes the blessing is in the process. The breakthrough that we are waiting for, that we are wanting for ourselves, the growth, the healing is in the process. And I think that there is something really spiritual, very personal and righteous about waiting about letting go, about having faith and trusting that things will work out so long as you show up and do the best that you you know you can do. And we know what our best is. We each know what our best is. We know what that takes. We know what it looks like and we know what it doesn't look like. And so by your own measure, by your own gauge, doing your very best being your very best, showing up as your best self, like if you do that consistently with integrity, then there is nothing left for you to do except trust the process and be patient. Because what really is the alternative? Worries and stress, heartache, headache, problems. I know I, for one, I'm sick and tired of stressing. You know, this PhD life is hard enough as it is. Niggas ain't shit already. And the last thing I really need is to be worrying about things I absolutely, for sure, cannot control. And so what do I have to lose by saying, this ain't my battle. This ain't for me to be holding up so tightly and wanting to have absolute control over. And you let go. And what is to be gained? Everything. Peace. Happiness. Contentment. Joy. Kindness. Something we all need more of in our lives. And compassion. And a deeper relationship with God. This has been your girl. Jessica Colonized. Thank you for tuning in.